Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. We are on the eve of the most extreme night of the WWE year. Extreme rules going down tomorrow night in Philadelphia. Make sure you stream it live. WWE on Peacock. We got Matt Riddle, who will compete in the fight pit, joining the show in just a little bit. Vic Joseph still enjoying his newly minted nuptials across the pond in Europe. Vic is doing fine wherever it is that he is. But, of course, I need backup, as I do each and every week. You may recognize this handsome devil from the backstage area on Monday Night Raw. Or perhaps you recognize his handsome face from WWE main event on Hulu or all around the globe where it airs. He is my favorite Irishman. He is Kevin Patrick. Kevin, thanks for hanging out today, man. Buddy, you have no idea what that means. I mean, I know you and Shamo go way back. Uh, Finn Balor, too. Fergal Devin. I mean, you're good buddies with these guys. So for you to say that about me and this to be my favorite podcast, what an absolute honor. And by the way, massive congratulations has to go to, to Vic and Mackenzie. Absolutely. Congratulations to Vic and McKenzie. I was being facetious when I called you my favorite Irishman. I hope you weren't being facetious when you said this is your favorite podcast, because then our Monday conversations over the past few months will have been a farce. No, it is. It's right up there. I mean, I'm just disappointed you didn't say I'm your like, I don't know, the Simba to your scar or the the Laurel to your Hardy or something (laughs) like that. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Kevin, I know you're as excited as I am. The entire WWE universe buzzing. Philadelphia goes down tomorrow. Uh, We're going to get into Friday Night Smackdown. I know there's some stuff you're excited about that happens tonight as this airs because I lied to everybody and advertised last week that it happened last night, et cetera, et cetera. I'm all over the place. It happens. Uh, What stands out to you off the top of your head about Extreme Rules that you're looking forward to? I want to know what kind of shape uh, Sheamus and Gunter are going to be in. We all know that at Extreme Rules, that's a match that I'm absolutely buzzing for. And I know you've had the the, the pleasure of jumping across the SmackDown for a few weeks, Gravy. And uh, you've seen it up close and personal, both at Clash at the Castle on SmackDown as well. But to have the Intercontinental title on the line on Friday Night SmackDown, Sheamus, we all know how much he actually wants to grab that one and become a grand champion. Um, and then to go again the next night. I mean, we always hear about sports stars complaining about their schedules, whether it's the NBA or MLB, and, oh, we've got to play every four days or back-to-back days. These lads are going to thump the heads off each other on Friday night and then make a trip to, to Philadelphia and go and do it all again in a six-man tag, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. I cannot wait for that. That's probably the one that jumps off the, the page for me, first and foremost. How about you? I think there's definitely going to be chaos ensuing in spectacular fashion Saturday night in Philadelphia. Donnie Brook match. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed. 
my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You mentioned other sports, and and before we get too deep into our world, our WWE universe, I want to talk to you about Kevin Patrick and your journey to the world that we all have, you know, know and love and exist in. Uh, you've spent plenty of time in other sports. That is, those are worlds that you are familiar with. Give us the uh, the Cliff's Notes version of Kevin Patrick's journey from Ireland to WWE. Cliff Notes version. Okay, I don't so, need your entire life story. Yeah. Maybe like professionally. Okay, so I, well, I started working in television back in two thousand and four. I was a, a wonderful runner. Great, great tea, great coffee. I deliver coffee man. Yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of that is that you, you kind of garner uh, this great appreciation for what everyone does within the industry, which I think has to come with you along the journey. And and I definitely have that now today, working in WWE and seeing all the wonderful work that goes on behind the scenes. But back then, my goal was to work on Gaelic football and hurling. That's our national sports in in Ireland, the GAA. And I went on to do that working on what's called the Sunday game, which any Irish folk listening to this show right now will totally understand uh, that that was the big show every Sunday evening. And I went on to work on that show, worked on the the Champions League uh, in soccer and lots of different sports in Ireland before making the move to the United States. After about six months of working in a bar, I got a job with the Big Ten Network and I was working on like college Saturdays, non-conference games. Can you imagine this Irish guy landing a job, Corey, as a graphics producer on non-conference football Saturdays? I mean, I didn't even know what a TFL was the first day, but I figured it out, uh, got through it, and then eventually started doing some soccer broadcasting there, which led to Major League Soccer, which led to, I mean, I've been so lucky. I've hosted El Clasico with Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo from the sidelines of the Santiago Bernabeu in Madrid and the Camp Nou in Barcelona. And I've had some wonderful experiences along the way. So uh, I was shaving, getting ready to go on CNN to cover the Champions League. Half my face was full of this beautiful alloy shaving cream. uh, And I get a phone call from a New York, New York number. And it was a phone call from an agent suggesting that I should audition for WWE. And and the WWE were interested in me because they were looking for a versatile broadcaster uh, to jump in who can, you know, be self-deprecating, not mess up and totally and utterly buy in. And I'll be honest, I mean... You make it sound so easy. (laughs) I know. I I was stunned. I thought it was Ashton Kutcher. I I thought I was on punk. And I ran down and told my wife, and I can't wait to try this. And I didn't grow up watching WWE week in, week out at all. I mean, it was impossible to avoid what was going on in the Attitude Era when we were in school. But week in, week out, no, it, it wasn't me. And I was incredibly scared going down to do the audition in Tampa in January of 2021. And uh, I realized once I got there, this is a job I want. This is an industry I want to be part of. And I was lucky enough to get offered a job. And I have to thank you for that, too, because you were so gracious the day of the audition. And um, it was wonderful meeting you, having followed the product then, like day in, day out in the months leading up to the audition. But just to be part of this for the past year and a half has been an unexpected journey, a marvelous one, one that I've cherished every single second of the day. And I've learned so much and I love this industry. I love this business now. You're grinning from ear to ear just describing how you feel about being a part of the WWE and and you've done a great job to this point. Don't tell anybody else ever again publicly that I did anything nice for you. Totally ruins my (laughs) gimmick. 
No one wants to hear that Graves was a good guy. Anything bad, you can put the blame on me, but don't give me any credit. Let's talk about Extreme Rules. As this drops Friday, we are going to be about a little more than 24 hours away from the most extreme night on the calendar. Uh, I know you're excited about the good old-fashioned Donnybrook match, which we've had one uh, several weeks back individually with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. We know it's going to be heavy hitting. We know your thoughts on that. I want to know, as a native Irishman, Kevin, if you in fact know what it means to have a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. We've heard Donnybrook before. Do you, Kevin Patrick, know the origins of the term Donnybrook? I I can't say I do, no. Do you? I do not know, Kevin Patrick, but I have it on good authority that our producer extraordinaire, Alex Metz, has done a little research on our behalf. That's why we pay him the big bucks. Alex, can you, in fact, tell us the origins of the term Donnybrook? Hold on a second. I get paid for this? Is that true? (laughs) <laughs> I assumed you did. I mean, no, I'm the wrong guy to ask. But. I have to check. I don't know about that. Uh, so the and I'm surprised that you don't know about this, Kevin, given your uh, your lineage here. Uh, but the term- we're Irish shaming you is what we're doing. <laughs> yes, You're not exactly Irish enough to do. You are not Irish enough. Yes, more more pints in there if we could. Uh, the term Donnybrook comes from the early 13th century in a, a part of Dublin, Ireland, called Donnybrook, where there was once held something called the Donnybrook Fair. And at the Donnybrook Fair, it of course was just a place where, like any other fair, where you could get together with the community, hang out, enjoy some food, all that kind of stuff. Of course, as the fair progressed over the cent- uh, the next you know few s- centuries into the 1800s, uh, it just became a a, uh, a situation where it was mostly just public drunkenness and fighting. <laughs> so sounds like it improved with time. Yes, exactly. So as uh, the word is known for being a you know a a public brawl, a, a heated argument that turns into a brouhaha, if you will, that is where the term Donnybrook came from. It actually came from oh, uh, a part of Dublin known as Donnybrook. Yeah. So Kevin, you can you tell, tell you us a little bit about Donnybrook? Yes. Yeah. Donnybrook is the poshest part of Dublin. Donnybrook <laughs> is in what's called D4. It's the area code in Ireland, in Dublin. D4 heads are known as the posh heads. Like if you're you're a little bit posh and you wear your sailor shoes and you know you've got your your, your chinos on, you're a D4 head. You're not you're not brawling with anybody. You know, I, I, that's where the Irish national broadcaster is, RTE. That's where I used to work. And we'd go for a pint down in uh, the local pub in Donnybrook. It's called Kylie's. And we'd go there all the time. There was no brawling going on in Kylie's. That's not true. What if Imperium shows up in chinos and boat shoes? Does that make it more authentic? Will that, that make it more 2020? Imagine Imperium showed up with chinos on. Do you know what? I'd still be scared. I, I am quivering in my boots looking at those lads. You see, They show up on NXT this week as well. They're everywhere right now. You see uh, Vinci and Kaiser showing up, uh, thwarting the brawling brutes in their NXT Tag Team Championship hopes on NXT on Tuesday night. They're everywhere right now, and I'm just eager to see these bruisers go at it once again, both on Friday Night SmackDown and then again at Extreme Rules. Well, if you're talking about bruisers, particularly as pertains to Extreme Rules, how about the strap match? Yeah. Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross, one-on-one. And a strap match, it feels like it's been a while since we've seen a strap match in WWE. They only drag those out of the, out of the woodshed once in a while, but the brutality is next level. And I fully expect both of these guys to roll out of the ring Saturday night with disgusting mm-hmm. welts and lash marks all over their bodies. This is a huge opportunity for Karrion Cross. Think about this, KP. We've got Drew McIntyre, who the last high-profile 
involvement we've seen from the Scottish warrior was with Roman Reigns, clash at the castle, truly epic, memorable night. Now Drew sort of had to course correct because Cross has been a thorn in his side for all this time. This is really the first look we're going to get at Karrion Cross, particularly in this new iteration, the true iteration of Karrion Cross, not the one that we choose to forget from, you know, last year or two years back. What does this mean? Do you, do you think this weighs as heavily on the shoulders of Karrion Cross as it does Drew McIntyre? No, I think it weighs heavier on Drew right now. The reason I say that is Karrion Cross is back. He, he's, he seems a lot happier. And I, I listened to the episode with, with Cross here on After the Bell. He seems a lot happier with his character right now, alongside the love of his life, Scarlett. He's been attacking Drew at every chance he gets. He was front row, close to you, Gravy, over a clash at the right. castle, castle, watching Drew go after it with Roman. Here's why I think it weighs more on Drew. We saw frustration. We've seen it throughout the years in this second iteration of Drew McIntyre in WWE. Remember he had Shanky 30-something times across the back with, uh, with a steel chair? Drew, when he's got that pent-up anger, that frustration, and this is real, by the way. This isn't just the character right. Drew McIntyre. This is very much a real thing. Drew goes back to the UK for the first premium live event in over 30 years there, and he loses. He misses out against Roman Reigns. Next thing we see him here at Extreme Rules in a, in a match against Karrion Cross. only this time Karrion Cross can't sneak up on him. I kind of fear for Karrion Cross here because Drew McIntyre is one angry beast at this point in time, and I have a feeling it's going to go his way. There you go. Kevin Patrick with the pick of Drew McIntyre. I'm going to go uh, to the other side of the coin, man. I think this is this is a, a massive opportunity to, for Cross to prove that he is as dominant as he has claimed to be and that Cross really is a major player here in WWE. I think the picture will be a little more clear come s- Sunday morning uh, as far as carrying Cross and Drew McIntyre. And I want to talk about the historic... Listen to this. I'm going to say this out loud, and I said it on Raw, and it seemed weird... The first time ever a women's championship will be defended in a ladder match in WWE. Think about all of the, the the women's evolution and how the game and the business has changed and adapted and evolved recently and how many incredible moments. We've now had multiple times where women have headlined WrestleMania. It, it seems like, wow, of course this should have happened by now, but it's happening for the first time. Bailey, who is red hot. Bianca Belair, who's, you know, seems to be wearing down slightly, in my opinion. I think this is... The culmination of damage control, I think Bailey rightfully claims the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, longest reigning SmackDown champion in history, Bailey. It just seems right that she's leading the damage control right now. She just fits in that role. I'll tell you, behind the scenes, Corey, you see the way Bailey carries herself. She's just got this unbelievable charisma about her, this mm-hmm. knowledge of the industry, this nous, this smell for the occasion. And when you bring that experience with the backing that she has right now into the ring against a worthy champion, very, very worthy champion of Bianca Belair. Remember, she was told to get to the back of the line by Becky Lynch after that SummerSlam day that she will never, ever forget. She went to the back of the line and she worked her ass off, win right. after win, to finally reclaim her gold. Now she has it. I agree with you. These past few weeks on Monday Night Raw, they've been weary for her. They, they've been exhausting for Bianca Belair. Now you go into a ladder match against the Bailey who has taken to social media to talk about her love for ladder matches, growing up in the age of Edge and Christian against the Hardy Boys, uh, and, and understanding the significance of a ladder match. And like you rightly say, to have the first championship be a ladder match on the women's side, for this to be it, I think it's an extremely dangerous match for Bianca. I think I agree. I think I think we could be looking at the end of Bianca Belair's reign as Raw Women's Champion. 
On the other side of things, another set of women who will be no doubt out to steal the show, the SmackDown Women's Champion, Liv Morgan, Ronda Rousey, Extreme Rules. When Liv made this challenge weeks ago, I don't think anybody thought it was a great decision. Here we are a few weeks removed. We've seen a little bit more from Liv that she's willing to take it to the extreme. She's sort of unraveling mentally, which should benefit her. I still think this is a bad idea. I think this one ends quickly. KP? Couldn't disagree more. Keep doubting really? Liv Morgan. Go on, Graves. Keep doubting her. You keep doubting her. WWE, I do. keep putting that out there for Liv Morgan. And that is going to fuel her fire. That is going to ignite Liv even further. When you tell Liv Morgan you can't do something, she's going to go and, and do exactly the opposite. She's going to go and impress. And, and, and this is, again, everyone knows the Miracle Kids history right now. You know, from growing up in New Jersey with four older brothers wrestling out our back garden. Anytime you doubt Liv, she'll prove you wrong. And, and I thought this past Friday, there was a fire lit underneath Liv that we saw, you know, taken from the top rope as well recently uh, through the table. The attack on Ronda Rousey after her victory over Natalia on SmackDown. There's something about Liv right now that is simply irresistible. She'll be 98 days as SmackDown Women's Champion come Extreme Rules. And I don't see that rain end anytime soon. I say Liv eclipses the 100 mark and keeps climbing. What baffles me is not your answer, but the confidence with which you gave your answer, KP. I mean, listen, I, 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 you can never bet against Liv Morgan. We've learned that. We have. You're absolutely dead on on that point. But this is rowdy yeah. Ronda Rousey. Yeah. This is the baddest woman on the planet. This is extreme rules. Ronda has been adamant. She doesn't need weapons. She is a weapon. Mm -hmm. and, and you need to just look a little bit pre-WWE history yeah. to realize what a weapon Ronda Rousey really is. If Ronda wants to end this thing, she's going to end it. The onus is on Liv to prove. That said, if Liv does beat Ronda, Ronda needs to go to the back of the line. This is going to be their third interaction. First, the, the Money in the Bank cash-in, then the controversial match at SummerSlam. Yeah. Then Shayna Baszler got a crack. Lives 2-0, Gravy. Now, Lives 2-0. I, I, I see that. And that's what I'm saying. If Liv wins, Ronda needs to go to the back of the line. I don't think Ronda loses. It's though. wild to think that Liv was probably working in Hooters when Ronda Rousey was winning world championships and being the baddest woman on the planet. It is wild to process that and still side with Liv. Yet there's a wave of momentum around Liv Morgan right now. And the way, the way she feels behind the scenes is the way she acts on social media, is the way she acts as she heads to the ring. She's got that little bit of a tear in her eye that's just bursting with emotion, right? Because she's so unbelievably happy to be here. And I think that's going to carry her over the line because she's worked her ass off to get to where she is right now. I have massive respect for Liv and everything she's accomplished. As I do with Rhonda. And Rhonda is unbelievably, uh, you know, mean and capable. But there's something about Liv that makes me believe right now. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. I understand that, but I'm going to tell you why I don't believe. And we need to look back at Clash at the Castle. And I'm going to ask him about it momentarily when he joins us the original bro of course running late in typical riddle fashion but think about rollins and riddle at clash at the castle now tomorrow extreme rules completely different situation fight pit different environment we'll get into that but seth rollins managed to get under riddle's skin he made matt riddle nuts we talked about it on commentary in cardiff riddle was unraveling before our very eyes that didn't mean that riddle's not capable riddle has the skill set to to succeed and potentially defeat rollins at clash at the castle but rollins was a step ahead the entire time because he made riddle too emotional could that be what ronda rousey is doing are the roles reversed is ronda so deep under the skin and in the head of Liv morgan that Liv's going to come into philadelphia 
with giant chips on her shoulder, knowing she has to prove to everybody, myself as a doubter, plenty of other doubters around the world, is that what gives Ronda Rousey the leg up? Yeah. Because Ronda has been in a high pressure environment like this before. And we know Rousey does not get emotional in the fight after. Absolutely. But not in the moment. I think it's an excellent point. Really well made because Liv Morgan is extremely emotional. She's living on the edge right now. And when you go into an extreme rules match like this against someone so capable like Ronda Rousey, you have to be methodical. You have to have that game plan as well and be well thought out and composed in certain situations, I would think. So it's a wonderful point, but man, I, I, I just got something special in the heart right now. Maybe I'm that dreamer for Liv Morgan, but I'm right there with the WWE universe that, that support her and that believe in her and that physical nature that we've seen from Liv of late, that willingness to go to the extreme uh, has been there for all to see. And that's why I just think come out of, uh, coming out of Philadelphia on Saturday night, Liv Morgan, still the SmackDown women's champion. And there we have it live and in living color, Kevin Patrick, Liv Morgan fanboy. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Well, someone else I know we are both fans of uh, an I quit match, which amazingly, I I hate to say it's lost in the shuffle, but this is such a stacked card with so many crazy stipulations that at the last minute, at the 11th hour, here comes Edge via video on Raw challenging Finn Balor to an I quit match. I mean, this, for all intents and purposes, wouldn't be out of place on a WrestleMania card, on a SummerSlam card, on a massive, massive event. You've got a Hall of Famer. You've got Finn, who, for my money, has finally found his groove on the main roster. Let's talk about Finn for a second. I know you, you've you become close with Finn, and you've followed his, his career a, a lot. Finn Balor, first universal champion. Sort of stagnates, doesn't necessarily have all the luck. There's a lot of circumstance and there's the demon and there's not the demon there's this that and the other thing and no one really ever got a chance to sink their teeth into what Finn Balor was capable of he goes back to NXT has this resurgence as NXT champion arguably the best Finn Balor we've seen send him back to to Friday Night Smackdown Monday Night Raw and it seemed as though Finn was teetering he wasn't sure which we weren't sure which way Finn was going to go was he going to become that breakout star that we always had him earmarked as Or was Finn just going to kind of be a serviceable, run-of-the-mill WWE superstar and have a great run, of which there's no shame in, right? That's the majority of superstars. But Balor, I remember when he arrived in NXT, everyone sort of said, this guy's going to be special. He's going to be, and we've seen glimpses of it. For me, what Finn Balor is doing with the Judgment Day is what Finn has needed this this whole time. Mm -hmm. Finn's personality is coming through. He's getting to be aggressive. We're seeing different wrinkles in Finn's game that we haven't been privy to in the past. You've got Priest and Rhea and now Dominic. The whole package is around him. Finn seems comfortable. Like Finn to me now finally seems like he's achieved, and I use this term a lot on this show, his final form. Like this is the Finn Balor we've been waiting for. Would you agree? Yeah, I I definitely think there's a lot more from Finn too uh, to come. He's operating at his operatic high note right now uh, alongside Damian Priest, Rhea, and Dominic. The wrinkle that you talk about is the is the aspect of his character right now that makes me like him and then instantly hate him. When he crosses AJ Styles and he says, AJ, it's me. It's Finn. Mm -hmm. We're both friends. I'm latching onto that for a second. I'm like, he's got a point here. AJ, you got to soften up to him a little bit. Then bang, AJ's clocked on the canvas and he's getting pummeled left, right, and center. So Finn has got that wrinkle that makes me love him, that makes me hate him, that makes me believe in what they're doing right now with the Judgment Day. Here's the thing about this I Quit match. 
going back and researching WWE and watching as many documentaries as I possibly can, Edge in the early days was criticized for maybe not being tough enough. And I remember in, in the WWE Legends documentary, Mick Foley says, can you believe that he was criticized for not being tough enough? When you look back at the ladder matches that he had, when you look at some of the, the big time moments in Edge's young career, look how brave he was. Look at what he put his body on the line for. And Edge is never somebody I could imagine uttering the words, I quit. Never. And yet I can never imagine Finn Balor with the backing of the Judgment Day saying I quit either. It gives me goosebumps thinking about this match because one of these guys has to say I quit for this match to end. Gravy, I don't know which way this is going. I, I have no clue. I, I'm with you. And take, take the WWE storytelling aspect out of this as far as what has gotten us to this point, as far as the involvement of the Judgment Day and Edge's creation, et cetera, et cetera. Let's just wipe all that away for just a minute. This is a bona fide dream match for a lot of wrestling fans. This is a match that seven, eight, ten years ago, you know, when, when Balor was just the prince in Japan and we were all dreaming, going, oh, man, this guy would be awesome. I'd love to see him in a match with so-and-so. And then Edge is retired nine years ago or is out of the ring for nine years ago. And now somehow the world has brought us to this point where you have got two of the best, ring in, best in-ring competitors of all time colliding in Philadelphia, which I am trusting the city of brotherly love to add that fifth man, that extra dimension, because when Philadelphia wants to party and we know the wrestling history in that city, it can truly get extreme. I think the recipe is perfect for maybe this match, definitely the whole event, but maybe this match in particular to live on for a long, long time, because let's talk about what edge has done since he's come back. Right, Edge isn't out there competing each and every week, but when he does, it's special, and it's almost cinematic. But we, my, you and I, since I've joined WWE, my favorite match, Crown Jewel, Seth Rollins, Rollins and Riddle, or I'm sorry, Rollins and Edge, absolutely unbelievable. Edgier seat stuff the entire time. When Edge shows up, he puts on a show. I completely agree. But this Edge, and, and we talk. I mentioned Finn Balor being in final form. Yeah, Edge was was world champion and reached the top of the mountain several times over. But this Edge now is different. He's more mature. He's more complete. You heard him refer to himself as this is Adam coming to this fight on Monday Night Raw. It wasn't Edge. This was Adam. And Adam understands this business and the emotion and the moments and the timing and how to really paint that picture we talk about it a lot on this show and, and a lot of the, the guests we have on talk about telling a story in the ring. What is that story? If we, our, our job is to verbalize the story, but we should be able to understand it. And for my money, from where we sit on Mondays and, and at premium live events, no one has mastered that quite like Edge has in this final run. And I yeah. feel like anybody watching has a ton to learn from Edge as a leader and as a superstar. But I think no matter what the outcome is, it's going to make Finn Balor even better yeah. because iron sharpens iron and you are only as talented as who you are in the ring with. And if you have to step your game up, which Finn Balor will, you become a better, more complete superstar. This is going to be the one, one guy goes over, two guys get over one guy wins, two men roll out of the ring in whatever condition, better, more complete superstars. Completely. Can, can we let people in a little bit as to TVL and, you know, oh, TVL, TVL is a mythical place here. You know this. I, I speak of TV Locker as, as this mythical sanctuary. It, it, yes, KP has joined entry, has gained entry to, to TV Locker. 
I have. It's a massive key, folks. Huge key that you have to put in the door and you have to slide down through a tunnel, go down a wall. There are slide. gators. There's a, there's a drawbridge. It's very, very <laughs> risky. You land through the through the doors of TVL. But in TVL, some of the best conversations take place. Uh, some of the funniest jokes or truth had me, honestly, with a sore stomach the other day from a joke he was telling that I cannot tell. We cannot repeat. Uh, no, not at all. But uh, one of the great conversations that, that I've heard in TVL was between yourself and Adam and talking about the judgment day, talking about, and I just love how his mind works. I love how your mind works. I love how, you know, the minds of a, a Michael Hayes works. You and I had a chance a few days ago uh, to catch up with Michael Hayes and Shane Helms and, and, and James Curtin, Drake Maverick, uh, and we're talking about the industry. And I just shut up and I listen. And when you're around people like Adam Copeland, it's just, there's so many people I know listening to this show right now that would pay an awful lot of money or do an mm-hmm. awful lot to have the opportunity to sit and listen to Adam Copeland, to Edge, talk about this industry and break down a character, break down a match. And I totally agree. Sharp, um, Iron sharpens iron. And, and, and when you put Finn Balor alongside Edge, we're in for something very special here. But we're also in for something gruesome. You know, these guys will go to the edge. And the fact that they've got to say, I quit, means that we're going to see something extreme in Philadelphia. I completely agree with you, KP. I couldn't be any more excited, much like I am for the last match we have to break down the fight pit match. The first time a fight pit match has ever taken place on a premium live event. Of course, if you follow NXT, you may have caught a glimpse at the havoc that will ensue, no doubt about it. How about the breaking news of Daniel Cormier, DC UFC Hall of Famer, one of the most decorated mixed martial artists ever in the game playing special guest referee between Rollins and Riddle. Riddle's going to be here in a minute, so we can talk freely before he arrives. But, KP, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, Of all the matches, I think this is easily going to be the most extreme. I think, you know, Riddle has said certain things on Monday Night Raw that have given me chills of late. And I know you've you've been on commentary listening to him when he's... He's used words that we never really hear, um, quite frankly, on Mm -hmm. WWE. When Rollins goes after Riddle's family in that manner and talking about his divorce, talking about the kids not seeing him, there's no question that adds that extra spice. Sure. There's no question that Riddle, a seasoned vet when it comes to MMA, wants to rip the head off this guy. My worst nightmare, Gravy's, you know, landing in the Everglades at nighttime. My worst nightmare alongside that would be landing in a fight pit alongside a trained MMA specialist. You know, like, are you serious? You're Rollins. You're really going to dive in there alongside a guy like Riddle. But but Seth Rollins can manipulate. Seth Rollins can find a way. Seth Rollins, I, I often see him as the Joker. You know where mm-hmm. there's a great line um, in one of the the, the the recent Batman movies. Forgive me for not remembering the one before. There's like that. 42 of them. It's okay. And, and it, it talks about how the Joker is not after money. He, there's something about him that just wants to see the the world. Just burn. wants to watch yeah. the world burn. That was Correct. Dark Knight. Yes. There you Correct. And that's Seth Rollins for me. There's no title on the line in this match. Seth Rollins just wants to see the world burn around him. And that world being Matt Riddle inside the fight pit. And I think he also wants to make a point because Riddle's often banging on about his MMA experience, his UFC experience. And you can be sure that that grinds Seth Rollins' gears. So uh, he's going to want to put him in his place in front of the WWE Universe. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I can't wait to see it, and I think the only person more excited than we are would be our guest at this time who will step into the fight pit against Seth freaking Rollins tomorrow night at Extreme Rules. Please welcome to ATB for the first time ever with a first and last name, Matt Riddle. Matt, thanks for hanging out on ATB yet again. Tomorrow night, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Wells Fargo Center, you will compete against longtime rival Seth Rollins in a fight pit match. This is the first time the main roster of WWE has seen a fight pit. How excited are you right now? I'm actually super stoked. You know, the first time I did the fight pit, it was against uh, Tim Thatcher back in NXT. And it was when there was no fans, you know, the, the COVID era had just begun. For right. WWE. And it was uh, <clears throat> very awkward to wrestle, jump off cages and have kind of a crazy match in front of, no people. So I think, you know, not only getting to do it again, but to get to do it with Seth Rollins, get to do it in Philadelphia, and uh, get to do it at Extreme Rules, where there's going to be thousands of people, millions watching at home, and just, I think the energy is going to be there, the intensity is going to be there. I know Seth is tired of my crap, I'm tired of Seth's crap, so, uh, you know, let's let's get to it. I'm ready. Philadelphia, dude. As for the fight pit itself, Riddle, I asked it on Raw Talk, and you said it's the most beautiful structure. And then you had this beautiful pause, and you said, for me. But for Seth freaking Rollins, it's going to be his worst nightmare. Tell us a little bit more, bit more about the actual fight pit itself. Well, the fight pit was kind of – I'm not going to take all the credit for it, even though I should. You know, the first yeah. time we did it, I had a T-shirt with a face on it that said fight pit. But uh, but the fight pit is you know kind of my idea a little bit in the sense uh I used to do matches on the independents and I'd call them blood sport and I would take oh well, like the the Barnett stuff right yes well I, I've seen that on the internet Matt Riddle's blood sport before I got signed here and then it became Josh Barnett's blood sport ah I didn't realize you were uh, responsible for yeah, that initially yeah I bequeathed it to him but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah so I used to have uh, this blood sport thing I take the ropes off the ring you could only win by knockout or submission it was almost like a pro wrestling kumite blood sport you know Love it. and then uh now as you can see 
over time and the evolution of WWE and Triple H and everybody involved, Bloodsport has now turned into the fight pit in WWE, and it's a monstrosity of a cage that has a platform at the top, which <clears throat> most cages don't. They usually have the ring ropes in their turnbuckles, but the fight pit, all steel, all hard metal, and it's just... For me, it's a good time. I'm used to it. I don't wear pads. I don't mind getting hurt or hit. Seth is going to mind. It's not the most forgiving match. And I guarantee you by the end of Saturday night in Philadelphia after Extreme Rules, Seth Rollins is going to be feeling it, bro. I can't wait. I'm sure it's going to be brutal. I'm sure it's going to be violent. But the wild card that was announced this past week uh, has got everybody asking a lot of questions, that being Daniel Cormier. DC is going to be the special guest referee. You obviously have a, an extensive mixed martial arts background, spent some time in UFC. Do you have any sort of relationship with DC beyond the surface? I've met DC in the airport the other day after Money in the Bank. He was there in Vegas for the UFC fights. I was there, of course, for Money in the Bank. And uh, we were both checking in. We were doing the clear with our eyes. We ran into each other and saw each other. But uh, other than that, that's the most I, you know, have interacted with Daniel Cormier. But I have seen photos of him on the internet holding the Seth Rollins t-shirt. I didn't realize this guy was a huge fan for Seth freaking Rollins. You know, I thought, you know, he talked about fraternity, mixed martial arts, a brotherhood. And then I see him for Seth. And I'm like, how is this going to be a fair call down the center? You know? And and I don't know if Cormier is holding a little grudge against me, you know, because I kind of did something he could never do. You know? Elaborate on that. Elaborate on that. Well, you know, DC, world double champion, Hall of Famer, stallion among stallions, especially in the UFC. But the guy could never technically beat John Jones. And I would say I beat John twice in high school. Granted, it was only amateur wrestling <laughs> and kind of children. But still, I placed ahead of him multiple times. I won states. You know, I was a stallion. And uh, that's just something Daniel Cormier couldn't do. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't come back to haunt me. And, you know, DC calls it down the middle, you know, and filled out. Hear this gravy? I mean, do you think this still riddle? We were you. You know that we were going to ask you about any preferential treatment for the the former UFC guy from DC, Daniel Cormier, and instead you've jumped ahead of the game here, and you're talking Seth Rollins shirt, and you're worried about him calling it down the middle. You think we're going to buy that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the thing about DC is he's he's a legit champion. He is a stallion, and I think as a human being, he's a good person. So even though. <clears throat> I think he has some favoritism towards Seth because he's a fan. And, you know, he, I think he likes the Beast Slayer, the Architect. He likes all that stuff. I don't know if he's a big original bro fan, but I think at the end of the day, he respects both of us and what we both do. And I think DC is going to call it down the middle. I hope. I mean, we get fingers, fingers crossed. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. I want to see this thing reach its proper conclusion. Talk to me a little bit more about Seth freaking Rollins. You guys have been embroiled in this in this rivalry for months now, since beginning of the summer. Uh, and obviously, it's gotten extremely personal, more so in front of the camera than a lot of rivalries in WWE. It's got a lot of people buzzing, even in the lead-up to Clash at the Castle. You guys have a banger of a match at Clash. Of course, Rollins escapes with the W. How has this whole process been for you? And what have you learned 
from working against Seth Rollins? And what are you looking forward to most about Rollins being your opponent in the fight pit? You know, Seth, Seth's an amazing opponent, you know, and I'll be honest, this is good for both of us because I don't think neither one of us like each other that much and never have. Right. I, I've brought that up. You know, all the details, obviously. I, I didn't want to speak out of turn, but oh. that was a, a pretty well publicized issue when you first arrived. Was it on Raw or in, in WWE as a whole? You guys didn't get along too well. Didn't get along too well. He wasn't a fan of me. And I was this, I wasn't not, not a fan of his. But uh, somebody close to me at the time made some comments, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, Seth wouldn't talk to me. Seth wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't talk to me. He wasn't going to have anything to do with me. And uh, eventually, kind of like Brock and everybody else, you don't have a choice. I'm here. I'm going to keep working hard. Eventually, you're going to have to get in the ring with me, and we're going to have to do business. And eventually, Seth came to that conclusion. But I think he also realizes what I bring to the table what I'm willing to do to get reactions from the crowd, just like, you know, when we go personal and we talk about things we probably shouldn't be talking about, but I'm like, bro, I don't care. I mean, I do pay child support. I, you know, I, you know, things are rough for me. And for me, I honestly look at it as more of a therapeutic thing. Anybody that knows me knows what I'm going through. And they're like, I can't believe you. If he would have said that to me, if I was going through that, because everybody that's been in that spot in that moment, can relate and i think that's the big thing i do i think it's something seth does and people don't realize i want people to relate everybody can relate about being like the smaller brother or friend that just wants to be cool and have the other brother like him that's me and randy with seth it's just two guys that don't like each other and seth has talked some crap that he shouldn't be talking and we're at that point where like I want to hurt him physically, mentally, emotionally, and he does too. So, and I think, you know, just trying to build that story and build certain things. And for me, the more real it is, the easier it is, the better it is. And that's what makes me working with Seth so good because he's the same way. He likes to go all in. That's what I was going to ask you. One of these days when you're able to step back and look at this rivalry objectively and, and the whole body of work that you two have done, do you feel as though the fact that you aren't friends you don't care for one another, actually elevates the entire program and the entire story? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just like back in the day, you got Brett and Sean. Brett and Sean, right. Edge and Matt. You know, just when you have something there already. And But the thing at the end of the day, me and Seth, we're professional. I might, I might not come off as professional, but I'm very <laughs> professional. I do business. I work. And Seth knows that, and so does he. So even if we don't like each other, even though we're, I'm not the biggest fan of his and I know he doesn't like me, we'll get in that ring and we'll work. We'll do business. You know, just like if we were in the UFC, I would do business because so I'd try to knock his block off. And nothing, no different here. Is there a big part of you, Matt, that feels really disrespected or that you haven't earned the respect of an awful lot of people in that locker room? I've heard you mention this before, but when you first came into WWE and how a lot of people were kind of giving you the side eye. I know you mentioned about Seth freaking Rollins as well. Is there a chip on your shoulder? No, you know, I'll say this. I just come from a different world of mixed martial arts in a different time frame, you know, where trash talking is just part of what we do. And we will say whatever we have to say to put asses in those seats and sell tickets. So you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> You would think, though. But a lot of times I'll say stuff, especially in interviews like this, and guys like Roman, guys like Brock, guys like Seth, guys, especially the top guys, guys like Randy, 
They'll hear what I say. They hear how I talk and they find me extremely disrespectful and they don't like it. And then they work with me. They get to know me. And they're like, oh, you're just like trying to hype everything up and like get buzz. And I'm like, yeah, because that's our jobs. Like I want people to think I really hate people and people really hate me so I can sell tickets to this fight. That's what I want. Because if I don't, nobody's going to show up and I'm useless and I don't have any value. That's how I look at it. I completely agree with you, man. Talk them into the seats. That's the oldest adage in this business, and it yeah. holds true for, for combat sports or any sort of sport, really. You have to have that emotional connection. The reason I didn't get fired from the UFC because I was losing fights, or you could say a wellness policy there, but look at other fighters that have been fine. I got fired from the UFC because I was not putting enough asses in seats because I was winning fights. I looked great. I was marketable, but I just wasn't putting – I wasn't making money for the UFC. So, hey, I was a headache. They got rid of me. And I knew once I left there, I had to get value. Is that, is that what, you, what drove you to do that, to, to kind of evolve into who you are now? That, that weighed a lot on you? I'd say the marketing campaign for myself changed definitely. Because before, I was just like, just get good at fighting. Just get good at wrestling, you know? And then it changed mm -hmm. from like, doesn't matter how good I am or how this. I had to make myself so valuable. I'm undeniable. Like, I had to make sure every promoter knows if you put me, I don't care if it's bare knuckle boxing, UFC fight, pro wrestling. If you put Matt Riddle on a card, you put him on a poster, you're going to sell, you're going to make your money back on him. And that was my goal. From the Once I got on the independence, that was my goal because that's why I got fired. I mean, I could say other reasons, but deep down, if I made enough money for the UFC, right. you wouldn't let yeah. me go. Right. Look the other way. I think you're, now you're... they wouldn't let me go, but it's too late. I'm here. I'm in the better place, the WWE, bro. <laughs> I love it. I, it's, it sounds like you take a lot of pride in your versatility as a performer. The world got their first glimpse at what Matt Riddle's capable of alongside Randy Orton doing the RK bro thing. That's that definitely enhanced your popularity. Not only you, it sort of seemed to give Randy a bit of a new lease on life, a, a fresh coat of paint on his career. But now Randy's out of the picture. Randy's been out of the picture for some time now. You've been embroiled with this in this story with, with Seth Rollins. Does it resonate with you that this is an opportunity to show the world that you are more than just the clever sidekick to Randy Orton and that you are a bona fide WWE main event player? Yeah, you know, it definitely does. And don't get me wrong with Randy. I had opportunities with Roman and stuff like that, especially once Randy was gone. But uh, I think at the at the end of the day, you know, that story with Randy, I enjoyed it. And I felt like I got to build a relationship and a reputation with the WWE. But now I think, you know, with uh, Hunter in play and now being a singles competitor without Randy – getting more competitive, getting meaner, getting angry. You can see it in the promos. You can see it in the street fights. You can see it in the brawls. And I think, uh, like you said, instead of just being like a goofy sidekick that, you know, helps elevate his partner and his partner elevates him, now I'm coming into my own as like a mainstay single competitor in the WWE, you know? Uh and I'm, and I'm getting that respect as well. Not necessarily from the boys in the back. The boys in the back know I can handle myself. But the fans, you know, because for so long they just saw me be like, hey, Randy, you know, and I'm kind of such a goof. And now they see me coming out there talking trash, you know, throwing zingers at Seth and then trying to hurt him. So, and I think the fight pit is definitely going to 
I think it's going to – Seth is already on another level. And I, I'm not saying he can't be elevated anymore, but right now this is about me. He's going to help me out in this match regardless if, if he wants to or not. And this is going to help me get to that next stage, that next level, and hopefully that next championship. Because that's what it's all about, bro. What does that next level look like for you? Uh, I was going to ask you, where exactly are you at right now in terms of your journey to the very top? Because you've had a lot going on uh, on a personal level. At work, too, Randy Orton, what you guys had was incredibly special. And, and as a backstage interviewer, I was there to witness it from the very beginning. I remember your first ever backstage. Um, I believe I was part of that one where, you know, you had this huge smile as Randy left and gave you a little bit of a clue that he might be willing to listen to you going forward. Mm -hmm. Special. But now we've seen that transition from Matt Riddle with all that's been going on in your personal life, um, wh which has been, you know, landscape shifting. Um, where are you at right now in terms of reaching your apex? Well, I'll say this. <clears throat> My personal life is in shambles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I only laugh because I can relate. I've, I've been in that, I've been in that wheelhouse once in a while. I'm not, I'm not going to cry on the show. But my life is, my personal life is pretty brutal. It's been a rough year for me, you know? A rough couple of years, dude. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, professionally, though, my life is amazing. It's great, you know? And I think right now, I think for tag team wrestling, when Randy was here, I was at my apex of tag team wrestling. I think right now, when it comes to my singles career, I'm still in its infancy, you know, I, I got a feeling, uh, I feel like, especially this year, you know, take money in the bank, for example, I was so close to getting that briefcase. And then I got knocked off after already Arcano Seth off the top and doing all this crazy stuff. And, you know, when wrestled Roman hit him with an RKO, almost had it, then almost had him again, but didn't, you know? So I just feel like right now in my singles career, I'm like the little engine that can't, you know, I get, I get <laughs> to the hill, I'm chugging along, chugging, chugging, chugging. But once I get to the top of the hill, I seem to run out of steam, you know, but I think that's right now. I think this match with Seth, this set, you know, tomorrow, take me to that next level. And I think, you know, it's a steady process uphill, but I don't think, you know, my engine can keep going. I got I got the fuel. I got the coal, bro. I'm going to keep throwing it in the fire, and I'm going to make it up over this hill. And I think I'm going to see my next singles championship sooner than later. Definitely sooner than Seth, bro. <laughs> well, that could be the case, depending on how bad you hurt him Saturday night, because Monday night he's got a chance at uh, Bobby Lashley's United States title, well, if, in fact, he can walk. Yeah, well, the, I think my goal is I want to beat Seth up so bad he can't face Bobby, and then I get the Bobby match. Because, let's be fair, the first time I won the United States Championship, technically won it off. From Bobby. So, yeah. But I pinned, pinned another guy. I'm not going to get into it. It's a triple threat. But at the end of the day, took Bobby's United States Championship. Hey, Riddle, I asked you before about the, the sorest situations in a match, right? And you talked to me about the UFC before. You talked about here in WWE about when you know it's coming, it doesn't affect me in any way. That's what you said. But when you get blindsided, that's when it hurts. Seth freaking Rollins has continually ambushed you, ha has hit you from behind. What does it mean to finally get him inside the fight pit and you're not going to be surprised by a single thing? Well, the thing with Seth is, and it's the reason why I started fighting MMA originally and why I wrestled. It's like, Seth's a bully. 
And like, and I know people are like, oh, bull. He says a bully. He's a he's a crappy person, man. Because anybody that's gonna attack people from behind. And this past week, he attacked Bobby. He attacked Ali. He stomped my head multiple times. He's how many people has he just attacked from behind and stomped their head on something? He, he's he's not the greatest person, you know. And uh, and at the end of the day, the thing I love about my job is I get to go in the ring with these bullies. I get to fight these bullies and I get to make them feel like they've made other people feel. And that's what I'm going to do this Saturday, bro. I'm going to make Seth feel little and small like he's done to me, like he's done to Randy, like he's done to Bobby, like he's done to so many people. And I'm going to make him feel what he's made other people feel, bro. And that's it. And that's why I say the fight pit for me is a beautiful, magical place, you know, full of steel and all these cool things to climb on. And people are going to be taking pictures of me. It's going to be so cool. But for Seth, it's literally, I'm going to break his face open. Like he already has stitches in it. I'm going to make sure he bleeds again. Not just, just for fun, just for fun, for the, for the camera, you know, I'm going to let him know, like he doesn't, he belongs in a wrestling ring. He does not belong in a cage with me. And he's going to find that out Saturday. Obviously, Saturday is a very different environment than when you threw down at Clash at the Castle. But the story we saw play out in Cardiff was that Rollins was in your head. Rollins made you unravel. By your own admittance, we hinted at it before. I don't want to get too deep into it. You've got a lot going on in your personal life versus your professional life. It's a lot to balance, particularly when you're in this machine. Because... You, you don't get a lot of time at home. You're trying to juggle a million different things. You feel like your life's falling apart, but you have a great personal or a great professional opportunity in front of you. Again, I may, have, may or may not have spent a few days in this situation before in the past. I can relate to this. Why is, is Extreme Rules going to be different? Why is Matt Riddle not going to emotionally unravel in front of everybody with all of this added weight on your shoulders? I think I've had enough time to deal with everything, you know, let things simmer, you know, and a lot of times your first reaction isn't your right reaction. You know, it's your emotional reaction. And that's where Seth got the best of me at Clash. He got the best of me in the promos before Clash and everything else. I couldn't think straight, you know, but that's what he does. Like, I I don't know. Like Seth's good. That's why I don't even mind working with him. Like he's that damn good i can't believe he said that like that and everything else and the fans reacted i reacted and it is what it is but i think things are a little different now one we're in pennsylvania i was born in allentown pennsylvania this is my hometown my home state the first time i uh first time the ufc ever came or mma ever came to this great state of pennsylvania i was on that show before it was called the wachovia center now it's the wells fargo center so i've already fought in this building in cages in rings and everything else so this is a backyard for me so i think for multiple reasons this night's going to be a lot different for me a lot different for seth and you know what the only person i really feel bad for is becky because she's gonna have to look at seth's face after i'm done with him <laughs> we can't go any higher than that. Oh, we we can't. <laughs> oh man, KP, you got anything? No, I just can't wait to hear the WWE universe. Hey, Riddle, what are they going to be singing again? Bro, <laughs> what are the odds? What are the odds that the, that the blue meanie is going to be in the house? We might need the meanie there for good luck. All right, beautiful. 
I'm, I'm piggybacking off of your friendship. I haven't seen him in years. He hits me up every once in a while. Dude, he hits me up every once in a while. Blue me and be like, hey, Riddle, just want to say, me and the lady, we love you. Hope all's well. And I respond back, Meanie, I love you. Can't wait to see you again. Hope all's well. And until next time, bro. Love it. Meanie's going to be in the house. We're going to be in the house. Riddle versus Rollins this Saturday night. Extreme Rules, WWE on Peacock. First time ever on a premium live event, so the Fight Pit. Riddle, good luck, my friend. I'm going to be there enjoying it from the outside of yeah. the Fight Pit. I have no urge to step inside. Do what you do best, man. You know I will, bro. Thanks for having me. KP, it was great seeing you. I wasn't expecting you, but always a pleasure, bro. Corey, thank you as always. And uh, can't wait for tomorrow, bro. KP, it sounds to me like the original bro is ready for battle tomorrow night. Oh, man. I love chatting with that fella. Honestly, at, at WWE backstage, he's one of the go-to people for me. I just love having a laugh with him because life is never taken too seriously. And I think we should all adopt that every now and then. I agree. Unless you're in the fight pit, then it is perfectly appropriate to take life extremely seriously. Okay, P, how did you enjoy your afternoon here, your morning on After the Bell? Good. I, I had a few technical issues. I'll let the folks at home know. A bit of a shambles on my part. Riddle said that about his personal life. The technical side of my game, a little bit of a shambles, but we got through it in the end, Gravy. Thanks for having me on, bud, and look forward to seeing you in Philly. No doubt about it, man. Appreciate you hanging out and helping us avoid the iceberg. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. KP, where can we find you on the old social media? Yeah, Instagram and Twitter, Kev underscore Egan. My name is Kevin Patrick Egan. I just roll with Kevin Patrick for WWE, but the social medias are uh, Kevin or Kev underscore Egan, E-G-A-N. There you go. Follow Kev for all that great content. Make sure you're listening for free on Spotify. Just search after the bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. Bell.